welcome to Hot and Heavy. Your hosts are Donovan and Tiffany Reese. We're going to be covering a wide range of topics. Some of them are hot, some of them can get a little heavy. All of them we have opinions on. So go ahead, sit back, grab a bevy, and let's get into today's topic. What is up? Um, you know, I'm, I'm doing good. I need to ask you something. Yeah. Do you ever have just like random sound bites that are just replaying in your mind over and over and over? Yes. Right I... now, the two, the three that I'm hyper fixated on are, I'm going to go down to Taco Bell and get me a Baja Blast. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. That one. Okay. Um. Do I look like I know what a JPEG is? Okay, that, I that just want a picture of a god dang hot dog. Okay. Okay, that one's near to me. <laughs> and then the third one is Big Dog. What's up, Big Dog? Big Dog. Yes. And so the the Baja Blast one, like, I don't know why. It's just been on a constant loop. It's in that guy from the King of the Hill voice, isn't it? Yes! <laughs> like, okay, so the other night, my partner got up to go get, like, cereal at, like, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't know. Middle of the night. As one does. As one does. And I was in between the two astral planes of awake and sleep. So, like, I was aware that he left, but, like, I was still, like, you know, kind of fuzzy. Yeah. And so my brain took the two brain cells that were half awake and rubbed them together and thought real hard. I'm like, when he comes back in, I'm going to ask him if he got a Baja Blast. And so he walks in and I go, did you go down to Taco Bell and get yourself a Baja Blast? And what was his reaction? baby you're sleeping and i said no i know exactly what i said and he said okay <laughs> and i i don't know why i thought that was the funniest thing ever but um that's been stuck in my brain the do i look like i know what a jpeg is and then big dog which i know you've heard this story a million times before but you're gonna hear it again so that everybody else is on the same page <laughs> So my partner's little brother, he's 17, he lives back in our hometown and he came to stay with us around New Year's. Um, he, his parents, like my quote unquote in-laws, future in-laws, I suppose, were in a hotel, but his brother was staying in our apartment with us, like in the spare room. Mm -hmm. And the one morning he came out of the bedroom and the two cats were like sitting outside the door because they're like, they love him. <laughs> like they want to sit on his lap. They want to play with him. And he's like... I'd rather you didn't but like okay and he came out he's like half asleep and the cats are just sitting there staring at him and he goes what's up big dog and i don't know why my partner and i thought that was the funniest thing ever <laughs> and now anytime we see the cats we have to address them as big dog you now have me address them as big dog too it, but it fits it it's fits. the respect that they are just they are deserving of they are they are my employer apparently they are the big dogs it's their world and we're just living in it big facts big facts for big dog indeed what are the sound bites that you currently have stuck in your head? I told you my three obscure random ones. What are yours? See, I don't really necessarily have like the same three that get stuck in my head. I, I like to call my brain just a randomized jukebox. Oh yeah, same. These are just the ones, the greatest hits of the moment right now in my head. So what are the ones that are playing right now in your head? Oh, okay. Ice Spice and Pink Pantherist just dropped a song not too long ago. The Boys of Liar Part 2. And the lyric of Ice Spice, like I, I can't do the noise but the way that she just says grab my did it like it just scratches a certain part of my brain and like and that's just looping. that's on loop also i have to make a public comment about ice spice okay uh, i made a tiktok like a long time ago about 
I'm sure these pop up on mu people's music feeds like all the time of like you have fifteen dollars, like go ahead and build like the best record label, or whatever, and like certain yeah. artists are ranked like five dollars, four dollars, three dollars, yeah. two dollars, one dollars. I've seen that trend a lot in like a diff a lot of different. Yeah, sometimes it's music artists, sometimes it's video games, sometimes it's celebrity, like whatever. Build your perfect date. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So in this particular set, you know, you have a lot of you know household name artists in there. You have like The Weeknd, Drake. Uh, Nicki Minaj, Doja Cat, like just all these famous artists. And so on the one, I remember this very specifically, on like the $1 tier, there was Big Sean, Janae Aiko, Meek Mill, Kalani. Those are the four on the $1 tier. And then Ice Spice. Now, I made a very public opinion that... You thought she deserved to be higher? That Ice Spice deserved... No, I made, oh. I made an opinion that like, first off, I don't think people like Big Sean, Janae Aiko, Meek Mill, and Kalani deserve to be on the $1 tier, period. But besides the point, if they are your metric for the $1, I said Ice Spice should be $0.10. Because at this point in time, the only song that she had released was Munch. That was, like, really, really po uh, popular. I mean, she had, like, you know, a couple songs before that. But, like, the one that really picked up a steam on social media was Munch. Which one is that? Because I'm going to be real honest. I only know the name Ice Spice because she's, like, been in the media lately. And Big Sean because he dated Ariana Grande. All of the other people you listed, I don't know who they are. I'm sorry. Big Sean is, like, one of my favorite rappers of all time. I'm sorry, okay? I just... That is not a genre of music that I listen to often enough. That's fair. Okay. Bitch, I'm a Betty. I get what I want. I need more than that, because that's in, like, 95% of songs lately. Yes, but... I, I understand this is an adult podcast, but I'm also, like... Trying to keep it clean? So, like, yes. <laughs> On our break, you yeah, can, like... I'll, sh I'll show it you'll, to you. You'll play some for me or something. So, but yeah, that was the only song that was, like, really out by her when I saw this chart. And I was... I had the public opinion of, if you're trying to compare Knock Ice Knock her Spice, down a couple brackets. Yes. And not, not to necessarily be a hater, but just, like... You, you thought that these people were, like... Yes. You can't put someone that just entered the media stream on these four names that have been in the industry for... Some of them over a decade now at this point. That have constantly been putting out bangers. And then you have one person that released one... At the time, one hit wonder. Fair enough. I was just like, no, you can't compare that. So, like, I, I don't want to say I rode the hate wave, because I, I didn't mind the song. I thought it was a bop, but just, I was being mindful. You have one song that picked up a lot of media attention, and now you're trying to compare it to legends like Janae Aiko and Big Sean, whatever. Now that the EP has kind of dropped, uh, and she has a couple more samples out to, you know, criticize or praise. Is she the one that sings, the boy's a liar? Yeah, well, okay. She's in that song, but she isn't, the, like, the melodic. She's the rap. I, okay, I gotcha. And so, yeah, her rap isn't, like, stuck in my head. Do you think that's just that I should not He's saying he's one of me. Do you think... Okay. Uh, we're going to get copyright struck because, you know, I'm singing so accurately to it. Yeah. Um, I will say, I want to give Ice Spice her props. I think she has a lot of potential. Let me put that on the official record. Do I still think she's in the same tier as the other artists? Not no. yet. No. Maybe but one I, I want to bump it up from 10 cents to, like... A quarter? I'll say even, third, like, three dimes. I'll, I'll make a, I'll make a much better claim when I see an album, but I think there's a lot of potential there. Uh, I think she's on the same track that a lot of new uh, women in rap started picking up recently. So I think she has the potential to maybe be on that same level as like Saweetie, City Girls, maybe Meg one day. Uh, I think Meg is starting to become a much bigger name than she was a couple years ago, but there, there's potential for Ice Spice. So okay. respect. If I ever get to see you at like Rolling Loud or a major music festival, I'll, I'll be a munch in the audience. I spice. I don't like the how that phrase came out. <laughs> oh, trust me, it sounds just as bad as you think when I show you the song. I believe it. But you talking about like up and comers and stuff made me think about. So my 
all-time favorite podcast ever and that's why we drank that is the name of the podcast yes if you like true crime if you like paranormal stuff they have both mm-hmm. go listen to them they are incredible and well at the time of us recording this it was a couple weeks ago but they had just passed their six-year anniversary podcasting oh wow yeah much respect and so i had gone to see them in person like they did a live show uh, my partner and i had gone to see it it was awesome we had so much fun like even him who like isn't really a fan of like true crime and stuff mm-hmm. he's so supportive he was like yeah we can go he loved it he had a great time we got free champagne we were hooting and hollering it was a great trip and they were talking about how like yeah we were 24 when we started this podcast i can't believe it's been six years and i was like <gasps> oh wow we're 24 when we started our podcast <laughs> i had like a full-on like because i like idolized them so much it was that moment of like they started where we started and it was like, who knows? Like, it, I mean, they're celebrating six years. We could celebrate six years one day. So let's get through episode six first. Fair enough. <laughs> but, you know, it was just that it was comforting mm-hmm. to kind of be like somebody that I idolize so much that like literally when they came out on stage, I like turned to my partner and I was like, oh, my God, they're real people. Because <laughs> like when celebrities have that status, like when you're constantly seeing them like behind a screen or, you know, like in ma- like there's that kind of otherness mm-hmm. that when you actually see them like in the flesh you're like oh my god they're a real person right it was just comforting that these people that i'm like i see them as being so big mm-hmm. that they started right where we are with they always talked about like when we started like i think it was m they said that they like Venmoed christine their like last 200 dollars or something with like the what's the word like the memo being like i hope this pays off like that mode christine so that she could purchase like the podcast equipment and it clearly did because they just went on their second tour and like that's pretty cool yeah started from the bottom now we here yeah so we are currently at the bottom yeah and i mean i don't know if i really like i don't know if we need to be like doing tours and stuff but like i'd like to move up from the bottom just a little bit and that kind of gives me the like we could do it started from the bottom now we in the middle class that's all I'm trying to be. <laughs> but I that was my, I guess that's also a little PSA of like, believe in yourself, you know? Take that leap of faith. Side tangent over. Yep. Are you ready for today? I think I am. I mean, who's really ready for any day? But we thrive. We live. We yeah. conquer. Yeah. Actually, I actually have to be careful about the word conquer. Now, I just finished watching the new Ant-Man movie. Uh, what movie? Uh, Ant-Man, The Wasp, Quantumania. Oh. Have y'all seen it yet? No, not yet. Oh my god. Go go check it out. Like, the big bad in that movie is a big bad. I'm excited. Like, Jonathan Majors, first off, dream cake. But his acting was very much on point. I might want to see him in the new Creed movie, too. Okay. We'll definitely keep that in mind. We don't really go to the movies, but we've been lately, like, cutting out a lot of our subscription services. Like, we canceled Disney+. Plus. Remember you told me that. Yeah. Which, part of me is like, that was a good idea because we don't use it a whole lot. But the other part of me is like, you got bangers like Percy Jackson's coming out. I want to watch Avatar 2, but I don't want to sit in the theater for three hours. Like, but for right now, we canceled them. So, who knows? Maybe they'll be back. All right. Are you ready? Yes. So, following the theme from last time. Yeah. Yeah. We did me blind reacting to things. Oh dear. So, Where is this going? So, I had to put my scholarly hat back on, which I have not done for a couple years now. Yeah. Um, and I did some research. And so we had previously discussed like the we were going to talk about um typecasting and mm-hmm. trends and such of different I guess demographics. Different, 
Yeah, and things that like apply to us. So we did Gen Z. We mm-hmm. had played around with maybe doing something about like women or femininity. Um, we talked about doing something with um, people of color or I guess like being a racial minority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I did some research and I have some stats about people of color that I'm going to throw at you. And I want to get your two cents, your input, your thoughts, your opinions, all that jazz. All right. Now, I do want to preface that none of these are my own thoughts or opinions. Okay. These are all from... I have my... She's got sources. Ooh. Um, I have my sources and my sites all listed out. Um, Chicago. 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 It's Chicago. Chicago. You're right. You're right. <laughs> but yeah, I want to... I want to get some insight as a white woman. Okay. I am a minority in one aspect. Mm-hmm. I want to hear your experiences. All right. So just for context for the audience, yes. uh, I am not a white woman. Uh, no? I know. Kind of crazy. I mean, that's just not how I choose to identify. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I identify uh, as a multiracial man. Which the phrase multiracial does come it up. It does some work. <laughs> Well, it comes up later on in here. All right. So. Hit, hit me with what you got. Hit me with your best shot. I know I just said I'm not Are a white woman. Are you trying to get us copy striked? Copyright stri- strucken? Stricken? Yeah. Are you trying to? I don't know. I might have some beef with Universal. Don't we all? <laughs> hey, yeah. All right. So the first thing that I want to start off with is NPR put out an article. Let me some NPR. And it was titled, Is It Time to Say R.I.P. to POC? Okay. So, first of all, POC stands for people of color. Mm -hmm. And so, first of all, I want to ask your two cents on the phrase POC or people of color. I'm glad we're not talking about paparazzi of Canada. Donovan, what the fuck? (laughs) How do you feel about the phrase people of color? Are you pro? Are you anti? Do you think it's inclusive and acceptable do you think that it is discriminatory in some way like do you like that phrase would you rather a different phrase because that's what this article is it's a compilation of a bunch of different people who are quoted as what their opinion on the phrase poc is i gotcha i gotcha i mean so let me preface this again for the audience this this is a raw reaction i had no time to think of a collaborative response here yeah Um, but that's what i wanted i didn't want you to have really a lot of time to like give an academic background response yeah i wanted you to just purely be like right off the bat if i what do you feel about this thing i mean i am very i guess for the term uh i can't immediately think of problematic discourse uh, around it Mm -hmm. i do believe people of color people or persons of color does help encapsulate kind of this inclusive language to be respectful that you are engaging in a discourse surrounding race while attempt at least making the attempt to be respectful and inclusive i i do see the the broadness of it maybe having some challenges you know a person of african descent will be dealing with different and unique systemic issues than uh, a person of latin or spanish descent mm-hmm. versus a person of indian or middle eastern descent so of course if you want to get into each of those specific discourses i think it would be appropriate to identify them as that specific sub-branch in that umbrella right um, but just as there are differences and uniquenesses in each of those racial identities there is this kind of over encompassing umbrella that i think persons of color just establishes that this is a group that is not 
the white majority colonizing history background. <laughs> Weirdly enough, a lot of those races I just listed had um, some unfortunate miscounter with, you know, Catholic center uh, European conquest at one point or another. So what's up, my brothers and sisters uh, <laughs> influenced by European <laughs> conquests? So, yeah, I mean, I, if someone referred to me in an academic discourse of, you know, as a person of color, what is your opinion on this? I wouldn't immediately be offended, you know, take off the glove and slap them with it. I'm, I'm cool with it, but I'm also totally cognizant of if I want to engage in a discourse about, you know, a Latin American experience or an African American experience. I, I can also use language that is specific in that moment. But broadly speaking, POC does not bother me. Yeah. And I think you made a really good point of like, using it in a broad term mm -hmm. of rather it's better than assuming when you're not sure mm -hmm. so one person said it's better than something a phrase like quote-unquote non-white um, oh uh yeah yeah so they're saying that like i'm paraphrasing just because these are all like i said quotations but mm -hmm. it's better than a term like non-white or minority because it puts whiteness at the front of every at the forefront yeah so it gives that little bit of individuality from white people are not the end all be all. Yeah. And I'm actually really glad you framed it that way. Uh, I'm immediately thinking of some conversation and discourse around like sexuality. Mm -hmm. uh, I was working with a colleague on, you know, we're working on like programming and inclusivity and all this good stuff. And they were referring to the, uh, the term uh, beyond the binary. Okay. Uh, to encompass people that don't necessarily identify as what is seen in the past as a traditional male or female uh, identity. And so they use the term beyond the binary to, you know, encompass that, you know, just because you're, you don't identify as man or woman doesn't mean you're necessarily excluded from the conversation. That negative connotation between non-binary. And I can see that, but I still feel like beyond the binary still kind of puts it in a like other category. I feel like it's better, but I still feel like it, it has a sense of otherness to it. That's not what we're here for today, though. <laughs> we, we can have a whole other conversation about that. So that was from a 35-year-old person named Javier Panetta was the, it's better than non-white. Now. That name sounds very familiar to, almost like my old boss's name. <laughs> were they a 35-year-old? No. Oh, okay. The other one that I wanted to hit you with was somebody named Caleb Smith, 40 years old, who says that it can evoke a racist past, the phrase POC. Again, paraphrasing, but they're saying that the term colored was used a lot during the Jim Crow era. And so using a phrase such as people of color can kind of call back to when, when people used to refer to, again, non-white people as being coloreds. Okay, I, I, I see where that person's coming from. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to acknowledge maybe two things here. Yeah. The first one being that culturally being mindful here. Yes. Person of color has a much better comp modern interpretation than using the phrase colored. Um, Starting off with the fact that it's people. Mm -hmm. They're... They're people first. Yeah, human uh, humanizing them. So that's point number one. The second is... You know, I want to be mindful that white is a color too, but we we have as a society kind of accepted that people of something that is quote unquote not white is typically associated with this phrase person of color. And that again, putting person in the forefront of their identity 
and then being mindful that this person probably has experiences, opinions, ideals, beliefs that are related to their history and relationship with their racial uh, tone. Mm-hmm. I will also say that the phrase person of color or people of color has this tone of respect that's a lot better than maybe some other phrases that were used, you know, a couple of decades ago to try to encapsulate this group that I will not say on air. <laughs> I appreciate that. So if I'm going to be blunt here, if, if there is an uncomfortability with that phrase, would we much rather be identified as a person of color or insert what at the t- 1960s was the time of a slur? Yeah. M- maybe 10, 20, 30 years from now, our language will evolve and adapt to become even more comprehensive and even more respectful. Yeah, and then people will look back and be like, I can't believe they used to say the POC. For yeah. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about language. It changes and evolves to, to fit the time. And so we are currently living in a time where we believe that this is probably the most apt term to use to try and be respectful of having discourses around race. But is it the ultimate term? No. But there is this universe, quote unquote, universally accepted that this is a term that tries to implement respect and consideration and, you know, not being disrespectful or include some type of non-thought-about slur. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully, I don't know, I can't, I can't imagine what discourse will be 30 years from now, but maybe we'll find a new term. Yeah. So the last one I'm going to hit you with, because I gave you kind of like a middle of the road of like, yeah, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave you one that was kind of like, ah, no, I'm not a fan. So now the last one is, it can be useful, but there are some limitations to it. Yeah, okay. So for one being, so I'm going to combine two little ones here. So the one being from Rosa Kwok. I I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. She's 24 years old or they Mm -hmm. are 24 years old. I don't know. I don't think any one categorization of people will ever be perfect, but it is a good way of trying to be inclusive of all. And then the other one is from someone named Yola Mizi, who is 20 years old. And I'm going to directly quote them. For example, if I'm in a group of non-white people and I'm the only black person there, sometimes my struggles as a black person would be overlooked, which was quite frustrating, but it can help with like highlighting specifically non-white issues. I think both of them encapsulate that very perfectly. And that's kind of what I was like hinting at in the beginning of like using the term POC is this umbrella phrase that can help create this community across multiracial identities that do experience similar issues with not being white, but the issues and challenges facing a particular sub-community might be difficult to communicate to one another under the POC umbrella by solely using that term. POC. So then trying to navigate a discourse of, well, as a African or African-American person, my struggles in discourse are unique in this aspect versus someone of Middle Eastern descent. I think it'd be very difficult to have a discourse between both of those groups, let's say about FBI influence and harassment without using the phrase, because I am a Middle Eastern American yeah. versus an African-American. If you try to say POC for that entire discourse, it's gonna be very, very difficult that people that there are similarities between, you know, federal uh, abuse uh, and federal harassment in both of those categories, but the specifications of each of those would be very different. Uh, I can see a person of African-American descent trying to say POC and communicating the struggles of federal and government harassment in like the 1970s, 80s 
versus a Middle Eastern American trying to articulate that post 9-11. Yeah. And then you also get into the aspect of like Asian Americans or people who are of Asian descent Mm -hmm. of how they are looked at as, I forget the exact phrasing, but they are considered like the preferred... Model minority? Model minority. Thank you. I couldn't remember what the phrase was, but yes, they are still seen as like other and still non-white, but they're a little bit better. The history behind that is... Ridiculous. Ridiculous, infuriating, and... The history behind racism typically is. Racism is... It typically is. Okay, so now that we laid down a little bit of groundwork about POC, got Mm -hmm. a feel for it, I have a Pew Research article for you. Okay. So, this is about being multiracial in America. What do I know about that? I don't know. We're gonna (laughs) find out, though. Thought we established already I'm a white woman. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, actually, the song White Woman's Instagram by Bo Burnham was based off of Donovan's actual Instagram. Bo, you haven't called me back yet. I don't think he will. Uh, yeah. So, the first one being the phrase multiracial background. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I don't want to give you the stats just yet. Okay. I'm just going to ask you, mm-hmm. do you view being a part of a multiracial or coming from a multiracial background as a disadvantage? an advantage or you feel indifferent about it Oof. i know you can take a minute to think it over yeah take some time to process your thoughts take this time listening to refill your bevy sip some water maybe get up and move a little bit if you've been sitting for too long i mean don't do that if you're in a car yeah (laughs) but like if you're you know if you like i listen to podcasts when i'm like at my at my desk doing work Mm -hmm. so like maybe take this time to take a lap around the office take a potty break Are you ready with an answer? I think I am. Okay. I th- I mean, that question I could answer in a very complex way. My initial raw response. Yeah, that's what I want. Would be advantage. Why? Like, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Absolutely not. No. Okay. <laughs> um, Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> so this is where I want to say the advantage is coming from. This is something I'm pulling from data that I just remember a, a long while ago. This is supposed to be blind, raw reactions. Take your scholar hat off and tell me how you as a person living in America well, feel. No, th- th- this, I promise this, this is coming from it. Okay. Like the I said, court will uh, allow it. If I remember correctly, again, this is something I remember from years ago, that more and more people are entering the world as multiracial. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could just look at how many kids are being born multiracial and the, the number is increasing. Yeah. And so... I've always kind of taken that as a nice little heart. And I've made the joke before as like, ha, I'm the original. Um, But as more and more people become multiracial, being prepared in that discourse and being prepared as that identity will come with its advantages. So that's 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 gut reaction number one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gut reaction number two that is also this advantage is I have been given a very unique experience to understand, absorb, and relate to racial material across multiple uh, identities that being said i do also have gut reaction number three of disadvantage going on that exact same tangent is while i have been had the fortunate experience of absorbing some of each of these cultural backgrounds it's also not nearly as in depth in every single one it's that quantity versus quality and yes i was had that upbringing to get to learn about all these racial backgrounds and cultural experiences and i can speak to some of them to some effect 
it's not like I grew up my entire life, you know, Puerto Rican American. Mm-hmm. It's not like I grew up my entire life being white. <laughs> yeah, and um, you you've mentioned previously on in an earlier episode that you face situations of people being like, you're not blank enough to understand this. Ex- exactly. Yes. That is definitely an issue that I've come a- across. So more advantage than disadvantage. Okay. Uh, but hey, I'm also not fully white. So right. <laughs> how much advantage can I really have? The T. I mean, that, that was a little hot, but that's, that's true. I mean, you can look yeah. at me and I'm like, I'm not white. I got some, like I said, there, there is some ethnic background, cultural background of white quote-unquote whiteness right but you don't gather that from looking at me so Mm -hmm. of this pew research article of all the people that they gathered their information from four percent do you want to take a guess of what the four percent said whether it was indifferent advantage or disadvantage four percent probably said advantage four percent said it was a disadvantage oh wow yes roughly 19 percent or one in five of the people they interviewed Mm -hmm. viewed it as being an advantage and then 76% said they felt indifferent to it. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I guess that's kind of the answer I gave. Like, I had some advantage, some disadvantage. I'm yeah. sure if you balance them out, there's a level of indifference. So. Yeah. Do you have any initial thoughts about the stats that were given to you of how people identified? I mean, I'm very surprised about the disadvantage. I honestly thought that would be a lot higher. Honestly, I did too. When I was first reading the article, I thought, again, I am a white woman, so I... I I really have no information on what it means to be multiracial because all of my, everything that I am is white. But yeah, I really would have expected it to be, just from the conversations that we've had, I would have expected the disadvantage to be higher. Yeah, I mean. But I guess the the kind of indifference does make sense to me. Yeah. Um, Because as I was doing my research, so move, moving along, mm-hmm. the way that people choose to identify racially now you had said when we first started this that you are multiracial yes have you always identified as multiracial or was there a time where you would i you would choose one and identify as such i gotcha i may have not always used the term multiracial but i, f- I feel like i've always used some variation of the phrase mixed because I, I mean even at a young age i was very aware of like you know just to put it bluntly both my parents just like if you just look at them they look like opposite ends of the melanin spectrum <laughs> and i was very aware of like oh i'm somewhere in the middle right um uh, and so i i've always been acknowledgement of that and i don't think i ever truly adopted one racial identity over the other if anything when i was younger i think I, there was this conditioning that has gone through a lot of self-correcting as i gotten older uh but being younger was like oh i i'm a lot of people just tell me I act white or act like a white person would or should. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, when I was younger, didn't really know what that meant or fully processed. Yeah. I was supposed to accept that or was supposed to take that or was supposed to reject that. So I can I can make the argument that I may have adapted some more of those white tendencies younger. Mm-hmm. But like as I've gotten older and much more developed into understanding my racial identity... I could very confidently say, no, I've always just been Donovan. I've always been able to respect and appreciate the cultural benefits and cultural challenges that all of my racial backgrounds have to forming my identity. I like that. The reason I ask is because in the article of the people they had interviewed, 
about 3 in 10 said that they changed how they chose to racially identify over time. Mm -hmm. In that some of them used to identify as just one race. And so they would just introduce themselves as a Native American or Asian individual or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they slowly started to switch that or vice versa. Of that they used to identify as multiple races, but they now choose to identify as just one. And I mean, I respect, I I truly do people that take that opposite route of, you know, being like super open to all of them, but then really honing in on one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I mean, part of that could just be, you know, I don't know if we'll we'll actually get to talking about that, but colorism is a huge, huge issue in uh, the POC argument. If you, depending on how dark or light you are, will very vastly change your experience with this conversation. Um, I have something to say about that in just a moment. Uh, and I will be not something to say. Oh my god! But I, I, I have, <laughs> I have research. I have research <laughs> and statistics. Not like I have opinions. <laughs> my lily white ass is like I have something to say. <laughs> I have uh, research and statistics and facts. Just wanted to clarify. Continue. Okay. <laughs> and I will say, because I am a lighter shade, I've definitely benefited from that the the challenges that come along with colorism, and I'll be fully mindful of my colorism privilege. But so anyway, with that being said, it could also determine be determined, sorry, by the community that you're around. You know, if you, I'll just be very basic here. If you're someone that has like a white parent and an African American parent, and you live around a community that really does. Of appreciate and value the african-american experience and you get to be experienced into that culture i could very easily see someone say like yeah i'm mixed but I, i'm black and then just identify that and then the community acknowledging and respecting that that is how they're choosing to identify multi-racially it's not rocket science yeah. <laughs> uh, but i've had a pretty diverse growing up myself so i've been have been mixed still a mixed see myself still be mixed. I, I, lo- I love acknowledging all the different parts of my identity. Alrighty. So now the last thing that I have for you. Yeah, I need to hear this. Is people were asked about their experiences of how they were treated mm-hmm. based on their race. Yep. So for this, they asked multiracial adults what their experiences were with racial discrimination. So they asked in terms of like, were they subject to slurs or jokes? Were they um, given poor service in restaurants or other businesses? And were they unfairly stopped by police? Now. Let me hear the percents. Well, first, let me tell you, of the people that they interviewed, the sample size was 118 white and black multiracial so as you were saying of like one white parent one black parent Uh 88 white and asian 907 white and american indian and 128 black and american indian individuals okay okay what do you think is the number one that was most subject to all of this probably black and native american yes yeah yeah they were at the top which that's not a good thing but like i i was surprised by that I'm not. So, do you want to try to take a guess of what the lowest one was in terms of this? White and Asian? The categories differ. Okay. So, white and um, Asian was the lowest in terms of unfairly stopped by police Uh and poor service in restaurants. So, 6% had reported being unfairly stopped by police, white and Asian Americans, Uh and 25% had 
reported poor service in restaurants or other businesses. But in terms of being subject to slurs or jokes, white and American Indian were the lowest, 47%. I can see that. Which is still not very low. That's roughly half of them have still reported being subject to racist comments. Uh But yes, of the black and American Indians, 71% were subject to slurs or jokes, 67% poor service in restaurants or other businesses, Uh and 39% were um, unfairly stopped by police. Now, white and black individuals had the highest in terms of being unfairly stopped at 41%. Okay. Do you want to give me some thoughts? Because I know I just threw a lot of numbers at you. Yeah. I mean, I think part part of that, again, is attributed to this degree of colorism. Mm-hmm. Um, it's... I mean, everybody comes... Everybody is very unique and different and individual. But when you look at which one was the lowest, it is white and Asian. Which typically, Asian individuals tend to have a lighter skin tone. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they are more likely to have a mixed individuals are lighter to have or more likely to also have a lighter skin tone yeah and before i dive into this rabbit hole of a response i want to be very mindful of that all of these groups as you were going through the statistics experience negative consequences of their mixed identity yeah Uh, and this is not me trying to play the oppression olympics there's a show on Netflix uh, called Ginny and uh, Ginny and Georgia. Mm-hmm. Really cute, quirky. I put in like the same like category of shows like Pretty Little Liars or something like that, where it's like teen drama. A little bit, yeah. Hmm. Uh, but th- there's this one scene in the in the show where the main character Ginny is having a, a dispute with her boyfriend. So Ginny is traditionally white black mix, mm-hmm. uh, and her boyfriend. I forget if he's solely Asian American or if it's Asian white mix. I just I, I can see the parents at the dinner table. I just forget what their racial background was. Uh, but they have this huge argument scene uh, of like com- comparing their own racial issues. And the boyfriend's like, "All right, let's go. Let's. Are, are you trying to have the oppression Olympics over here? Because she's like digging into a bunch of like Asian American stereotypes, and he's digging into a lot of like black stereotypes. And it's a really nasty scene, but it really shows the discourse of like why are these two minorities going at each other for two completely different it's it's this whole thing why aren't Uh, we pulling together and instead being like no it's harder for me exactly so let me be very clear i'm not trying to create oppression olympics here right but but like i said colorism is a huge i'm hesitant to use this phrase it's almost like a the light lighter skins have this get out of jail free card in racial conversations because they are quote-unquote white passing yeah um I would like to say that anyone with common sense can look at me and just say like, oh, okay, you're not white, but I've, any race you can imagine that has a little bit of melanin in it, I've been, someone has tried to guess that that's my race. Anywhere from Cuban to Egyptian to Indian, like anything near the equator, someone has guessed that I'm that. (laughs) But because of that racial ambiguity, the types of responses, questions, that I get are very, like, widespread. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of funny. I'm thinking about, like, the... What's it called? The the comment or the statistic about having heard, like, a slur or something. Yeah, subject to slurs or jokes. So, again, number one was black slash American Indian. Mm-hmm. Number two was white slash black. Mm-hmm. Number three, white slash Asian. And mm-hmm. then number four was white slash American Indian. I remember in high school... 
This is the weirdest insult I ever got. Okay. Uh, Which, let me ask you really quick. Yeah. And you are more than welcome to tell me I don't feel comfortable or I don't want to or none of the above. Mm-hmm. Of the options listed, yeah. where would you say that you would most likely find yourself in? Like, which of those four categories? Like, yeah. white, black? Which, you are multiracial, so I understand that I am taking all of what you are and asking you to put yourself into a very teeny tiny little box. Well, so it's going to be weird. I'm going to refute that point. Okay. uh, Only because I fit in multiple of those boxes. Right. (laughs) That's why I was like, I know this is a weird question. Because even my mother is also multiracial. Right. Uh, So the only box I really don't fit in on there is Asian American. To my knowledge, I don't have any Asian descent. Uh, Who knows? I mean, I could. I mean, I'm going to sound like one of those, like, cringy joke characters on, you know, popular comedy, rom-com kind of stuff of like, oh, I'm white, but I'm like 6%, like, Ethiopian. I had the pleasure of taking one of those types of tests where it determines everywhere on the world that you're from. And my DNA, it fits basically, like, it's a little chart that shows, like, regions of the world, and you, like, fill in the color, essentially, if you have DNA from that area. It really does fit, like, 95% of the globe, which is kind of cool. That's incredible, because my sister did one, so basically I did one. Yeah. And... Every single one of them was just white European. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. It was German, Irish, English. I know we are also Portuguese, but yeah, it was just like pick all the white ones and it was probably on her her 23 and me yeah i which is like i i knew i was about as white as milk but like come on nothing (laughs) uh i do want to say that i think if i'm not mistaken there's like a two percent asian background somewhere but it's not like i go around saying push glasses up i'm actually two percent asian and i'm allowed to say xyz yeah no but yes, back to the... So yeah, I, I'm going to refute that. Only because there there is identity across multiple and I have experience issues in each of those demographics. So your original point, we were talking about uh, subject to slurs or jokes. Yeah, and... the weirdest one I've ever gotten was in high school. Okay. Uh, someone called me an N-word cracker. I guess they were trying to be creative. And like, if you, you look at me, you look at my parents, you just assume white, black. All right, you're a white, black kid. And so stupid sophomore logic is just... Let me say the two slurs that are associated with each of those race and throw it out there. And before anyone like emails or DMs Instagram is like, wait, you said N-word, but then you said cracker. Like, why are you just saying two slurs on the air? First off, if you're equating. They are not the same. They are not the same. (laughs) They are not the same. Absolutely not. They are not the same. That is a very um, shitty. Yeah, it was not a good insult. I just looked at it and was like, what? I remember. Okay, so. It was offensive when I was like. Yeah, well, 15. Just saying, somebody calling you the N-word, period, is offensive. <laughs> but, like, why do you why do you have to try to, like, mix it up? <laughs> I don't know. They try to mix it up because I'm mixed. Um, well, that that's very considerate of them. There's a better way to hate. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to uh, be racist, be inclusively racist. <laughs> okay, so it's weird. It's weird that you said that because there is a movie chain mm-hmm. and it is called Bring It On. It is one of the greatest movies ever. It is awesome if you just want, like, a chick flick kind of, like... Is that the cheerleading it movie? Is. Okay, okay, It okay. is. My sister and I used to watch those all the time. We were obsessed with those movies. My mom watched My mom watched those growing up. Some of them are terrible, and we don't talk about them. But, like, the original ones of, like, Bring It On, In It to Win It, like, those ones are good. But there's one scene... So, the storyline for one of them is pretty much, like, you know, bubbly, blondie, 
living in really nice neighborhood, captain of the cheerleading team or whatever, her whole family, her very white family moves to like um, a very diverse schooling where she is the minority. Mm -hmm. She is one of, if not the only white student there. And long story short, at first she's Miss Bubblegum of like, I don't belong here. And then obviously she like integrates and she makes friends and whatever. And the final scene is a cheer competition between her new school and her old school. And the mean girl from her cheerleading, her old cheerleading team, they see each other and she calls her, I don't even feel comfortable saying it, even though she calls her the N-word, but replace the N with a W. Ah, yes. Yes, yes, yes. And I remember I used to watch a movie all the time with my sister. And there was one time I was hanging out with uh, one of my really good friends. I've mentioned her before um, because I used to stay with her when I would go home on breaks. So Mm -hmm. we would just movie nights all the time. And we were watching it and we were sitting together and they were like, hell is a what is that and we're just sitting there we're like the hell and like we were trying to figure it out we're like what does that even mean and then we're like oh what (gasps) it was like the click of like oh my god like are they allowed to say that they were Mm because they did (laughs) but like it because they were saying shock face emoji yeah yeah it was that that click of like oh my god they just called her a white n-word yeah yeah which again no i mean still not nearly as offensive or repressive as the og slur yeah so (sighs) so let me take a moment here yes please because i i know i just hit you with a lot of stuff and so that was my last point of wanting to really talk about that because i feel like that is something that people can relate to the most Mm -hmm. of how they are treated just existing in society based off what people assume just by looking at them. Right. I want to take a moment here and be cognizant of a challenge that I think a lot of people of multiracial backgrounds, biracial backgrounds experience, is that a lot of people in that fit in that type of category will still experience some form of racial discrimination, racial uncomfortability, either the traditional systemic all right, you're not white, you're going to experience racism Mm -hmm. or interracial prejudices. I would be confident to say that some of the people that were in that survey that were like, all right, I got bad service or got a slur that was some type of harassment felt that felt that discrimination inner POC to POC along the lines of something like, oh, you're African American and Asian, you're going to be hearing slurs that relate to Asian background and also African-American from both sides of that. Gotcha. Okay. Um, And part of that comes from this mindset and ideology of like, quote unquote, you're not pure. Mm. You're not fully in our group. You don't fully accept or understand the troubles and tribulations that come along with either of those fully. Going back to what you were saying earlier of like, you're not blank enough. Exactly. And it's, I wish I hadn't an answer for how to best kind of go about that uh, or best accept it or best fight through it because it is tough I think as just humans we look for community we look for inclusivity we look to be part of a group I mean we literally just talked about that last episode with Gen Z being communaholics exactly yes we are naturally social beings I think we are and that's that's not uh, solely based on race or gender or religion Uh, we are just as humans we look for social interactions even even introverts we're Uh, constantly trying to find our pack exactly 
But when you add the complexity that comes along with, you know, under, being able to communicate and relate to a group through a racial paradigm and then not being able to fully experience that. Both, again, you're dealing with the complexity issues of the systemic issues of, quote unquote, being not white, but then also the challenges of prejudice against one racial group against another racial group and starting to experience some oppression Olympics here. That's very difficult. It's very challenging. It's very disheartening. And the only advice I can give from my experience of how to best go about that is to embrace and understand and appreciate what you can from each of those groups, but also be mindful that you are a new group entirely. I'm very curious of what the research and the the demographics are going to be of this new, like I said, more and more kids are becoming multiracial. And so you're eventually just going to have groups and groups and groups and identities of people that, you know what, I'm just, I'm mixed and that's who I am. And there will be this complex layer of more and more people being understanding of that mindset. So. Yeah. And I think it's interesting you brought that up because I didn't, um, I didn't make note of it in my, my little list of things I wanted to discuss with you, but there was a section where they were talking about how um, majority of multiracial people continue to have multiracial children, mm-hmm. um, whether it be that they are having children with somebody who is also multiracial or they're having children with somebody who is some kind of racial background that they are not. So they're still continuing on with having more and more multiracial children. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've seen the research. People aren't sticking to their race like we like historically was expected yes to the point where one day it's gonna be very hard maybe even impossible to find somebody who is solely black solely asian solely white yeah and i'm sure there's some some fears along that Uh, i definitely get the the comments from family or friends being like they see my dating history and they're like why aren't you settling down with a good black girl uh and be like well I was raised and under this mindset that race isn't always the forefront of choosing a partner. Uh, I mean, look at me. Yeah. <laughs> I am the product of race solely not being the, the, the reason that you choose a, a partner. And I think the last point I want to put on this is, yeah. yes, we're having this discourse and yes, we're having this conversation about this. And we think that it's going in the direction of eventually we're going to hit one day where everyone's just mixed and bada bing, bada boom. There are still challenges and non-acceptance with understanding mixed culture yeah mixed culture mixed race mixed religion Mm -hmm. i mean Uh, what's it called some i know recently there have been some challenges and questions on the book of uh where marriage equality is gonna sit for like the lgbtqia plus spectrum Mm -hmm. but just like there are challenges with that now questions of race and marriage are becoming an issue i just was it like 10 years ago cheerios released a commercial where the both the parents were of different race and it got so much nasty feedback and that again that was only maybe a decade ago so there's still lots of work to be done in this discourse but hopefully as it becomes more normalized and more accepted that those those changes will come i hope that one day we can look back or listen to this episode and be like wow how arbitrary society used to be that we used to care about stuff like Like, obviously, I cannot relate in terms of race Mm -hmm. because my partner is also of some European descent. He's Albanian, which I've mentioned previously. So I've never really had the issue, at least with this current partner. I have dated people who were um, of Hispanic descent. and But I hear it most in terms of religion. 
of I am Christian, he is Muslim. And I used to hear it from my family quite a bit of, why don't you settle down with a nice Irish Catholic boy? You said a nice black girl. I got Irish Catholic boy. And I cannot wait for the day where people are like, I'm just happy you found a good person. I don't care what they look like. I don't care how they identify. I just care that they are good to you. And I hope that our generation, who's moving forward towards being identity nomads, pulling back to last episode of Gen Z, and you know, we're not gonna care and put as much stock in how you identify, and we're gonna care more about who you are to heart. I can't wait for that day. I hope I'm alive to see it. It will be some time, but we'll, we'll get there. Knock on wood. But yeah, that was, whew. That was heavy. That was a good one, though. That was a good one. I liked it. <laughs> that was good. I. It was a heavy topic, but I think it was, I think it was a good one. It was a good follow-up for the last one, too. Yeah. How you feeling? Feeling good. Uh, I mean, that's the most I've thought about race in a second. So I appreciate the opportunity for introspection there. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in today, for listening. Share this podcast with a mixed friend. Is that being an ally or is that being racist? I think it'd be one of those moments where you set this to a mixed person. <laughs> it's like the equivalent of like setting this, like a white person setting this to a black person be like, oh my God, I didn't realize you were going through this struggle. Like, oh girl. Yeah. So. Maybe do a, do a check-in of like, where is my friendship at with this person? Yep. <laughs> before you do it. Like if I were to send it to you, you'd be like, cool, thanks. Yeah, be careful with that. Uh, we are not responsible for any friend. difficult racial conversations post the sending of this. Yeah, but we appreciate the extra listen. <laughs> yeah, and if you you know, feel free to DM us with any um, horror stories of or positive stories of you know, hey, I sent this to my friend and they did not like it. Feel free to send that to. Hot we are now not friends anymore, and it's your fault. Um, yeah, tell us about that at <laughs> hotandheavy.podcast on Instagram. Yes. But other than that, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And who knows what we'll come with next week. <laughs> I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been Hot and Heavy. I'm Donovan. I'm Tiffany Reese. And we'll catch you hotties next time. Peace out. And now the credits. This episode's been brought to you by your hosts, Donovan and Tiffany Reese. We want to thank our editing team for putting this shit show together. We want to thank our cat executive officers that are somewhere around the room. I think they're being very quiet right now, so thank you. And we'd like to thank our uh, music staff for getting the audio together for this episode. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.